Well, welcome back to uh, another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast. As we've uh, approaching the the middle of July, it's been about a month since we put together a podcast, and lots of ha- lots lots of things have happened over the last month. Uh, the Big Ten is now at sixteen. Uh, Purdue has its point guard or a guard to help round out its roster. Um, NIL has survived its first year and you know what's coming up in year two uh just so a lot of stuff has been going on uh around college athletics purdue uh in general and uh, a lot of other areas Uh, it's been quite the busy summer um we'll touch on a few of the topics uh that's been out there the last few weeks uh the first and foremost uh, one is uh the Big Ten going to 16 schools with uh, USC and UCLA uh, joining the league. That won't happen until uh, the 24-25 season, uh, football season. Uh, so, uh, you know, one more year in 23 of the Big Ten at 14. And uh, I, I would imagine uh, there's a lot of tentacles to, to this thing. But, you know, before USC and UCLA get here, uh, the push to get away from divisions uh, had pretty much reached a point where, uh, before expansion, that uh, the, uh, the Big Ten would do away with divisions and they would just have one 14-team league. I, I would guess, and it's just a guess, that they might stay in divisions just one more year and then go to a new format when USC and UCLA uh, come in, and, and there's a model out there that can work uh, because one one of the things that the Big Ten was trying to get to uh, was every you know during a four year cycle, which is your traditional players stay for four years, uh, even though they they don't <laughs> anymore. Uh, it's usually three years uh, or one or two years, and they hit the transfer portal, but. During a, a normal four-year cycle, uh, they were trying to get to a point where every every player uh, during that four years would get to play every other Big Ten team home and away at least once. Uh, and that's 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 an achievable goal. One I I think needs to happen uh, if you're going to stay the four years, uh, but and uh, you know and I think in six with sixteen teams now or 16 schools, I think it can still happen. I think there's a format up there if you protect three rivals and then uh, play six six of the other schools one year and then you play the other six after that, that that gets you to that same mindset. But, um, you know, know, and I like the idea of protecting rivals, and they they should, or protecting games. But, you know, here's what's going to happen with the new TV contract that's coming up and I, you know I think the Big Ten was pretty close to to getting a TV contract done until UCLA and USC came in and then things I think things changed and there's going to be more money now for the pot uh, exactly what those figures are uh, they're, they're hard to, to find out uh, at this stage you just don't take the total amount that that's out there and divide it by 16 ways because you know the Big Ten is a mouth to feed in, in this process so you're really dividing it by 17 uh, and there's other you know there's other factors in there um, 
and not every every year it's not the same thing you're getting uh, you know you have to factor in uh, a lot of things like travel and all that kind of stuff where at the end you're getting you're getting more money you're just trying to keep up with the cost of inflation which we all know is pretty high right now um, so you know what what that final figure is uh, with the two new schools um, is going to be you know interesting it's going to be more and every school in the big ten will at least the 14 schools right now uh, the current the current group they're all going to get roughly the same amount and this coming year the 22-23 school year uh, all 14 schools are expected to get roughly the same amount it's not the exact amount because there's some NCAA distributions in there that are calculated based on the number of student athletes you have and also how far you've advanced in the the men's basketball tournament during during a period so not not every school gets the exact amount but it's it's in the same ballpark it's all healthy and it's all it's all there so you just can't take the total figure and divide it 17 and that's what everybody's going to get there's there's a lot as i said a lot of other factors into it uh but the the bottom line is that it's going to be a big payday for all the schools including purdue uh, you know, there were some initial reporting that said, you know, maybe a hundred million dollars a year for each school. I would think that would be at the end of the contract. Uh, however long this TV contract is going to be, I can't see it uh, being longer than five years, maybe six years. I, I think the, sh- the 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 shorter the better because there's so much change in the media landscape that you don't want to lock yourself in for a long term at a bad deal. Hint, the ACC, uh, when they sign its deal with uh, ESPN, uh, they are locked in through uh, 2036. And that that has put them in a corner that they can't get out of, uh, at least right now. Now, it has locked in their schools for the long term due to the grants of rights, which is uh, something all the ACC schools have, have signed, that if they would leave the conference, then they also forfeit uh, any future TV money that comes your way that goes back to the league, but as the years get closer to 2036, that penalty uh, continues to drop. I think there's a figure out there now that if someone from the ACC would leave, it would be, you know, 400, 500 million dollars uh, penalty, uh, and I, I don't see a lot of schools be willing to pay that. But as time goes on, that number will drop, and it might be more manageable for schools to um, pay that amount or at least get help from their new conference to pay that amount uh, for a period of time to uh, to make to make a move knowing at the at the end uh, there's a greater payday coming um, and you know that that's what this is all about it's all about money it always has been and it, it will it will never change anytime anyone says this is academic related and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's just it's just blowing smoke. I mean, it's just it's completely and utterly blowing smoke up, you know what? Uh, because this is all about money. This is all about money, and uh, it always has been. And it's all about football. It always has been. It always will because that's the attractive dollar uh, out there. But uh, I do believe that as we move on, and I, you know, I, I do think we're going to hit a lull here. You know, first of all, you know, bringing in USC, UCLA, it's 
you know, it is a good deal for the Big Ten, even though we've now crossed another threshold of making realignment pretty silly. Um, I mean, they're not in the region. They're not. There are going to be travel concerns, even though everyone will tell you that there there won't be. But you know, if Purdue's got to go play a volleyball match on a Wednesday night at UCLA, and then they got to come back after the game or the next morning, how long until they play again? Do they turn around and play on a Saturday? Do they turn around and play uh, on a Sunday? Or do they fly halfway across the country and stop at Nebraska and play and then come all their way back? I mean, there's going to have to be a lot of creative scheduling in this thing uh, to make it work. And, um, you know, the one thing to really keep an eye on, you know, the student athletes, I just, I just call them athletes because there's just so much money involved now not only from the TV, but with NIL, that they're not, yeah, they're students, but they're athletes. Let's, let's just call it what it is. They, they are just athletes, and I don't like to use the word student-athlete. I just like to word, use the word athlete because that's what they are. I mean, you're not fooling anybody. Uh, they, they are athletes that are getting paid now because of NIL. Um, but, you know, and there's been a lot of discussion about their mental health. Does this travel... When you go from Rutgers to L.A., and how many times do you have to go from Rutgers to L.A. with your wrestling team, with your, your swim team, with your basketball teams, uh, your baseball teams, so on and so forth, but at what point does the mental health equation even grow larger with uh, the athlete population uh, being asked to, to do these things uh, in, in the long term? And they are trying to... They are. Most of the athletes are trying to earn education, earn a diploma, so they can go out in the workforce. A very small percentage of them are going to be able to play pro. Uh, so the school, the school part of it is important to them. But at what point does all this travel and all this wear and tear on them, you know, play a role in their in their academics? Uh, but that's not. I mean, that's not why we're doing this. We're doing this purely for football. One hundred percent, we're doing it for football. And we're doing it so the Big Ten schools can can get more money than ever and, you know, keep up in a facility race and keep up in a lot of different areas. Uh, and there'll be, you know, you know, Purdue's got a lot of good facilities right now. And, you know, they're going to do a Ross-Aid renovation coming up with Phase 1, and then they're going to have a Phase 2. And they're going to have the money to, to really get Phase 2 going uh, because of the, the new TV deal. But beyond that, I'm not sure what... Purdue needs to do from a facility standpoint to to keep up with everybody. They're not going to keep up with Ohio State, Michigan, but you know the the teams that are on their on their level, on their in their peer level. But they're going to have more money to do things like that and other factors. But you hope they invest some of that money too into to helping the athletes cope with some some new territory that they're going to have to deal with. And whether you whether you feel any kind of you know whether you feel sorry for the athletes because they're going to be asked to do these th- kind of things, or the fact that they're getting paid now through NIL, you know, kind of softens it a little bit, and maybe you look at them more from a professional standpoint as you do as opposed to a a college standpoint, and you don't have, you know, these you know these things come with quote the job now. Uh, they're getting paid through NIL. They're getting paid through the Alston if they make, you know, certain grades uh they, they could benefit and get six thousand dollars they get cost of attendance uh money from from their scholarship along with their scholarship so uh, they, they are 
they are creating a pretty substantial bankroll for themselves so, so when they get out of college but they've also they're moving closer and closer to the pro game and being professionals and there probably will come a time maybe not in my lifetime that they are employees of the university because some group of athletes and it's probably already started because it started in California there was a proposal in the uh, in the assembly that uh, the athletes at the California state based schools uh, should receive money from the university money from the TV deals that are being made and once that happens and I I firmly believe that will happen at some point then it, it takes this whole thing to a different level and then they have to become employees at that point at that point I mean the schools are hanging on to their TV money so I mean the, these athletes are not getting paid through anything from the school they're getting paid from outside sources through the Boardmaker Alliance the collective that we've written about a lot over the last couple weeks they're getting paid through just you know other ways uh that uh have been created through the NCAA through the NIL NIL program they're getting paid from outside resources but once once these athletes figure out a way with a really good lawyer to grab some of that TV money whether it's in this cycle or the next cycle then uh, i think that's a game changer for college athletics in general and they would probably have moved right alongside the professional realm kind of got off track there because i think i started this by uh by pointing out about the ACC and their grants of rights uh i i just don't see i just don't see right now we have five power five conferences you know the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are talking to each other one wants to eat the other and the other one wants to eat the other um but i just don't see these three conferences ACC Big 10 or Big 12 and Pac-12 all surviving you know the Big 10 and the SEC are going to survive they're going to be the leaders uh and they if they want to gobble other people up they they can and they will but of those three conferences i i just don't see all of them surviving this there's this, and they may and it may be a short term survival they may get enough money to to actually you know bridge the gap from one year to the next but long term there's no way there's just absolutely no way that this this that this works with what we have right now i mean it's just not it's just not going to be a sustainable situation because you have the Big 10 and the SEC so far ahead of everybody uh with the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC that you know this thing is at, at some point and it's all going to be centered around two things number one um it's going to be centered around what Notre Dame decides to do if they decide to do anything um they are you know when they move there'll be another movement here if they move they they I I don't think they're going to do anything right now there's no rush for them to do anything right now they still have a pathway to the college football playoff as long as that remains open I don't think they'll do anything but if that somehow shuts off or there's more realignment coming up uh that would force them into a uh, you know uh, into a situation where they have to join a conference then they will but the other part that will need to happen 
the, the other part to watch really is what happens with the college football playoff. Uh, does it expand? Does it go from four to eight? Or does it go to 12? Does it go to 16? You know, what, what's the next step for that? And you have a lot of disagreement among the conferences as far as what should happen there. Does it get to a point where the Big Ten and the SEC just say, okay, well, we'll just do our own playoff. We got 16 teams in each conference. One's the AFC, the the other's the NFC, and then they do they do their own playoff with within the Big Ten. They do their own playoff in the SEC, and the two winners meet somewhere in a dome stadium uh, on a Monday night, January, to to play for how whatever sponsor name college football playoff and the other conferences will be shut out or they end up joining one of those two leagues and then you have 24 teams 24 schools in each league and then basically you've covered the whole gamut of of power five even though there's some some leftovers out there but uh, those are the options i think that are coming down the road uh, I don't. I don't think it's a doom and gloom situation. It's just that's that's where it's headed, and that the money will tell you where it's headed. And because the college football playoff, obviously with more teams, would bring more money. And you have ESPN in bed with the SEC. You have Fox basically in bed with the Big Ten. Um, and those two are going to battle it out as far as who gets the rights to that uh, college football playoff. You know, the SEC wants a certain thing. You know they want to dominate. The Big Ten wants a certain thing, and we'll be—I'll be interested to see where where this all goes. But uh, back to the original thought of USC and UCLA coming in. Uh, you know, it's good—it's good for the quote brand, the buzzwords of the day. But you know, just there—you know—realignment is at a new level now that that uh, the Big Ten is now in in Los Angeles, and I get that. USC and UCLA reached out to the Big Ten, and, you know, and they did. And you can't, you can't say no. I mean, you just cannot say no to that if you're the Big Ten. The smartest thing they did was say yes, and then they ran the numbers and really said yes. Uh, but you can't, you can't, you can't turn those guys down because they're going to go somewhere else. Where, you know, where would they have gone if um, if the Big Ten said no? Well, they're probably knocking on the door of the SEC. Because UCLA needed uh, needs an in, infusion of cash to help save its Olympic sports, they they've been in debt because they're, the the Pac-12's TV contracts just not very very lucrative, and they have a bunch of Olympic sports that perform at a pretty high level. USC the same way, uh, so they they could have easily just joined the SEC, and I think the SEC would have found room for them. So the Big Ten had to do it, and I get it, but it just it's taken it to a, a new level of where it's it's become a little bit silly as far as how you're going to compete in these other sports. And there's going to be enough money for travel. That's not going to be a concern, even though travel costs are, are going up. Uh, and they're going up quickly. Um, there's going to be enough money to do all that because they're going to factor all that into the TV contract. Uh, and that's how all this gets paid for. But it's just, you know, how how are you going to logistically make this work without wearing out your athletes. And I, you know, football is once a week, but you know, who says that Rutgers is not going to play at UCLA at 10:30 Eastern time on a Saturday night, take the overnight flight back, 
even though it's a charter, it's a five-hour flight, no matter how you cut it. And then you're back at three, you know, seven, eight, nine in the morning. And then you got to gear up and play a noon game the next Saturday, maybe on the road at Maryland or at Penn State or at home. Um, I really think there needs to be a lot of effort put into the scheduling and and making sure people have enough time to recover. I can, you know, the one example I can tell you in this thing, you know, several years, about 10, 10, 11 years ago, Purdue went out and played Oregon. Game started at 10 o'clock Eastern time, which would have been uh, 7 o'clock out there. You know, it was a game Purdue lost by two points. They they didn't get a two-point conversion or the game would have gone to overtime. But, you know, they play a late game Saturday night. You know, they fly all the way back. Uh, they get back in early morning Sunday, so they, they don't they don't do a whole lot on Sunday anyway. But they you know they do do a little walk through. But you know they're you know it's all about recovery at this point. But anyway, as as the week goes on, you're recovering, and then you're playing Purdue's playing Northern Illinois uh, the next week, and you could tell that Purdue was a little bit sluggish in that game, and they got they got their butts beat by Northern Illinois because they ran it down their throat. But they were a little bit sluggish in that, even a week later, uh, just because of the recovery of of going from the West Coast to, to the middle of the country. Uh, so the, the, I, I believe those situations are real. And, you know, you can say, well, they're 18, 19, 20-year-old athletes. They should be in great shape. They should recover fine. Well, a body clock is a body clock. And some react better than others. But anyway, as we mentioned, uh, Notre Dame I think is the key to hold this. I, I, you know, I, should they be in the Big Ten? Yes, they should. Will they be in the Big Ten? You know, who knows? But they hold the key to it. Uh, they're they're not after a money grab, even though it's lucrative for them. Uh, there's a pride factor there that they've been independent for this long, and they want to stay independent for as long as they can. Uh, but they, as I said, they're, they're only going to be forced into a conference if their path to the college football playoff uh, is blocked. And that's when they'll make a move. But, you know, they have to move to the Big Ten. They can't really, in good conscience, move to the SEC because Notre Dame puts itself on a pedestal from an academic standpoint, and joining the SEC would kind of kind of knock you down off that pedestal, wouldn't it? Uh, so they, they, they have to come to the Big Ten when it's all, when it's all said and done. I think a way for the Big Ten to get them even quicker is to make sure NBC is part of this new TV deal. And then, because NBC right now broadcasts Notre Dame games, football games, they broadcast the home games. But you make sure NBC is part of this new TV deal. And then between Notre Dame and NBC and the Big Ten, uh, you kind of push them this way and one concession that I would make if I was the Big Ten I would still allow Notre Dame Notre Dame home games to be on NBC and that's the one concession I would make to to bring Notre Dame uh, into the fold now you you may scream well that's unfair and the Big Ten doesn't do things like that well I think to get Notre Dame you would that that's a small concession in my part in my mind to do let them have their home games on NBC because Fox and CBS and who's ever involved in the TV contract is still going to get Notre Dame 
on the road at Ohio State, at Michigan, at UCLA, at USC over the life of the contract. So they're going to get their share of Notre Dame games. There's no, there's no question about it. And, and if Notre Dame's in the conference and NBC's a, a TV partner, all the money's going in the same pot. So does it really matter? Um, and there'll be Big Ten teams playing at Notre Dame on NBC. So you still have, you still have that exposure. And I, again, I think that's a small sacrifice uh, to play or to, to to do to to get Notre Dame in the league. But who who, who do you bring with them to, to keep it even? I think Stanford would be one that you look at because Notre Dame is going to bring so much value and so much money just by themselves that you can afford to bring a Stanford, which, you know, by themselves, Stanford doesn't move the needle and wouldn't really raise the stakes. But with Notre Dame, it's 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 okay. That takes you to 18. You know, how, how big do you want to get? I mean, how big, you know, that, that gets you to 18 schools. Notre Dame would like that because they play Stanford and USC every year. It gives them, gives them a West Coast presence every year. You can continue those rivalries you know you can protect those games if you're Notre Dame uh, and you would play them on a yearly basis um, but but do you want to go beyond 18 and if you go beyond 18 who do you get I mean I think the ACC would have to fall apart a little bit to start dipping into that conference and that's kind of a whole another thing but anyway that's a little bit on I guess not a little bit but uh, thoughts on what's happening on Big Ten expansion and all that. As you know, Purdue picked up a, a guard on the basketball team, David Jenkins Jr. from from Utah. He's been two other places, UNLV and South Dakota State. Uh, he's he's a he's a smaller guard, strong guard. Watched him practice this week a couple times, uh, and uh, he'll play some point. You know, I think initially he's he's been more of an off guard. Uh, throughout his college career uh, hasn't played the point a whole lot but I think here at Purdue Matt Painter's going to use him uh, as the point guard probably in more situations and that I think that that kind of helps Purdue in a way because you know Braden Smith then can back up and, and be that true point guard you're not using Ethan Morton not that he would be out of position but you wouldn't be using him as much in a in a position that he hasn't played a lot right now uh, at the college level. And he in he's versatile enough that he's valuable to you almost anywhere on the floor, but he, he's slowly carving out a, a place kind of on the wing and the perimeter where he that's where he's that's where he's kind of played a little bit. Now, he, he didn't get as much playing time because of Jaden Ivey. He's gonna get more playing time as, as things uh, move forward, but I think you know, having Jenkins at the one, you know, kind of helps settle things down a little bit for Purdue, and you don't have a lot of guys moving around. Now, Jenkins can also move to the two, you know, and Braden Smith comes in, or he can play Ethan Morton there. You, I think they have a lot of different combinations that they can go with. Uh, but, you know, one of the important things to me is getting Braden Smith, you know, playing time. He's, he's not ready to play 25 minutes, but you, you get him 10 to 12 minutes a game at least early in the season, uh, playing that role, uh, and he's going to have ups and downs, then, um, you know, I think that helps Purdue uh, in the long run. They have a, some other point guard op- options that they could move there. I think Fletcher Lawyer is a guy that has worked at the point 
uh, during his AEU season. You know, playing college is a lot different, uh, but it gives him a lot of gives him a lot of versatility there. And I think this year's team is going to be similar to last year's team in that you're going to see a lot of players. I think Matt Painter is going to start with the idea that you know, you know, it, can you play ten? You know, is he going to? Is there enough minutes there to play 10? Now, what lessons were learned from last year in trying to play 10 players, trying to give guys minutes? You know, it, it's, it did dwindle a little bit toward the end of the year, from middle of the year to, to the end. Minutes were not there for everybody. So the rotations did get cut down a little bit. But, you know, once you once that's figured out, whether Painter figures that out and he'll be quick to tell you that it's up to the players to, to figure that out. And then that that's what you go with. But for me, from a guard perspective, uh, there's one key for me. Who brings the ball up against Iowa when they're pressing you? Who's going to be the main guy to handle the press against Iowa? And that's as you know, that's been a struggle for Purdue over the last several years uh, in trying to deal with not only Iowa's press, but other teams' presses. So who, who's, the, who's the guy that's going to Who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be that guy? Is that David Jenkins? Is that eventually Braden Smith? Is it, you know, Brandon Newman? You know, you can go down the list, but who's that going to be? Ethan Morton? You've got a lot of options there, but you got to be able to execute it. And I, I know it's always a a, a, a tricky situation uh, for for Purdue fans to watch that. But to me, that's going to be the key. Who, who, who's going to be the main guy that's going to help you break the press? You can't. One guy can't do it all. Uh, but who, who's going to be the, the the main guy there to to get you, to get it through? So, you know, there's you know some basketball stuff. I think is you know going on. You know, I think since the last time we've talked, they've announced the Big Ten ACC schedule and the Gavit games, and you know those, those are a joke from Purdue standpoint. Purdue should not be playing Florida State again. Um, in the Big Ten ACC, uh, it's down there this year. Uh, they shouldn't be playing Marquette in the Gavit games. You know, I, I'd, Purdue should just get out of the Gavit games. To be honest, I mean, they should. If, if all you, if all they're going to play is Marquette, then they can just do a home and home with Marquette. But it, it's just, it's a joke. Uh, and the the Big Ten ACC challenge probably has gone beyond what it should. It's clearly, and it has because that thing is controlled by ESPN because it's an ESPN event. ESPN created it way back in the day, and it was a great idea, and it was a great idea for a long stretch. But now it has turned into, and this is the way it's been over the last several years, it's just turned into a brand event. Like ESPN wants to pit the top-drawing teams from the ACC TV from a TV standpoint against the top-drawing teams from the Big Ten from a TV TV standpoint, and they just rotate around. That's all they do. Michigan, Michigan plays Duke. Michigan plays North Carolina. Michigan State plays Duke. Michigan State plays North Carolina. So on and so forth. Ohio State plays Duke. Ohio State plays North Carolina. It just, it just go. It just rotates around. You know, last year Purdue should have been playing Duke uh, at Mackey Arena in the in the Big Ten a- a- ACC Challenge. That would have been uh, number one Duke against number two Purdue. Now, you didn't know that before the season, but it wasn't hard to forecast something like that. So th- this event, I think, has run its course. I-, I think it's time to end it. And the one thing I hope, this is my only, this is one of my hopes that comes out of the TV contract, is that ESPN gets shut out 
of the Big Ten uh, in all sports. I hope they get shut out in football. I hope they get shut out in basketball. And maybe this event will, will, will go away. And therefore, I think that would allow Purdue to schedule its own games against an ACC team. I think I think they could get a game against North I think they could get a home-and-home home against North Carolina. They could get a home-and-home home, uh, against some other, other schools that are not named Florida State uh, in that league. And, and, and Purdue's never going to be viewed as the brand of the Big Ten. It's just the way it is. And but I think they could go out and schedule better games for themselves, better better games for their fans. If we didn't have the Big Ten ACC challenge, you know, I I think the TV networks kind of match together the top teams in the Big Ten and the ACC, and then they let an intern handle the rest of them. Because all you had to do with this Big Ten ACC schedule this year was just take okay, well Purdue and Florida State played last year. Okay, well let's just move. Let's have Purdue play, pick a team, Georgia Tech, and then just flip opponents. Just flip opponents. And why isn't Purdue playing Notre Dame in this thing? I mean, they can play in the crossroads, but they can't play in the in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You know, have Michigan State play Florida State. Have Purdue play Notre Dame. You could have flipped those two, and no one would, would have known that you initially screwed up. And it'd been better, but I, I think it's time for this event to go away. It'd better be up to ESPN whether it goes away or not. And if they're not part of the Big Ten contract, TV contract, what's their motivation to to keep doing it? I don't, I don't think they have much. And I, you know, and I, I think there's other TV partners out there from a basketball standpoint that would love to have the Big Ten on uh, on a uh, on a weekly basis. They're they're going to be on Fox. They're going to be on Fox Sports One. They're going to be on. BTN, I think CBS is looking at upping the number of games that it that it carries during the regular season. And at some point, does TNT and TBS, which are part of the CBS family, um, at what point do they get involved in broadcasting regular season college games? Because that only helps them when it comes to tournament. They have the the reason a lot of reason why. Um, you know, TV networks do regular season games is to promote the fact that they have the postseason. Like CBS does games because it's a money maker, number one, but also it helps them promote the 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 March the March Madness. Helps them promote the NCAA tournament along with their other programming. And it could be the same with TBS and TNT, where you have regular season games on um, on a Tuesday night, but you're promoting that you're going to have the the tournament come March. So you kind of open yourself up to uh, a new audience. And, you know, ESPN needs that inventory. I get it um, because they, they have a lot to fill there. And it would hurt them. Uh, it would hurt them a lot if they didn't have Big Ten basketball on their airwaves. But I, I do think other TV networks are ready to, and media networks, and we haven't talked about streaming. Uh, you know, with NBC, you can bring along Peacock, and they can, they can do some games as well. But I, I do think there's other options out there, and I think the Big Ten should should kind of move away from that. And, you know, if ESPN's going to get in bed with the SEC and the ACC, then let them do it. And then there's other avenues for uh, uh, for for the Big Ten uh, to go. I, I did want to touch on NIL a little bit. 
Uh, I think you're familiar now. The Boilermaker Alliance is now kind of the collective on on behalf of Purdue, even though technically they're not associated uh, with Purdue. But they're going to be the group that kind of raises money to help uh, compensate athletes. They're going to have to do charity work. It's not just going to be you're on the team, so here's your here's your money. You'll have to they'll have to do a variety of things. It could be autograph signings. It could be social media posts. It could be appearances. I mean, it could be a, a lot of different things. And I, you know, and I think this group is going to work to. Uh, to, to make those uh, athletes more visible, make the charities that they're involved in more visible. It'll be uh, a little bit, of, you know, it'll be a worthwhile uh, adventure. And I, you know, I just hope the athletes embrace it and don't and don't think that they should just be getting money just because they're on a team. Uh, they do. They will have to do some work for it. Uh, but where you know the future of the collectives, you know, as we start year two of NIL. Um, eventually, I would like to see the collectives kind of be folded into the um, fundraising arms of each athletic department. Like in Purdue's case, you know, make it a, um, a subdivision of the John Purdue Club, because I, I I just don't know a place like Purdue, uh, and they have a they have a very good donor base. They have a lot of engaged donors. And a, and a lot of those donors don't want to get into the pay-for-play thing, and that's not what the this collective is going to be about. But I just don't know if they have enough donors to support the endeavors of what the John Purdue Club has been designed for, which helps pay for scholarships, which last school year Purdue was able to pay for all of its scholarships, uh, all $12 million of the scholarships, the 450-some-odd athletes. And they did that for the first time, and that's all money raised through the John Purdue Club. And they do other things. You know, they help raise money for, for capital projects. There's, uh, there's other things out there. But you're the collective, and you're going – are you going to the same places? you going to the same businesses? you going to the same people? I mean, at what point do those worlds collide and overlap where businesses or individuals or families are just like, wait a minute, I can't. I can't do all this. If, if, for example, if, if someone wants to be involved in both, let's say this individual gives a million dollars a year to the John Purdue Club, but he wants to be involved in the collective because he likes what it does and it's more of a direct way to help help athletes. But now he's only going to give five hundred thousand to the John Purdue Club. And he's going to give five hundred thousand to the collective. Well, that hurts the John Purdue Club in their in their mission and what they're trying to do. So I think eventually, if the NCAA was smart, and I'm not saying that they are, that you would fold the collective into the John Purdue Club in this case. And that way you have more of a, of a process of who's going after um, families and individuals and businesses for these specific needs. Like, okay, here's your donors that you need to talk to about helping with the collective. Here's your donors you need to talk to about the John Purdue Club. And I think it would be a much more smoother transition. You have you have better compliance over it. You, you you're not able to you're not you're able to make sure that there's no funny business going on. Um, and you have control over it. The university has more control over it and the NCAA has more control over it. But we're all assuming that the NCAA is going to be around when all this 
uh, <laughs> comes together. So that's what I think eventually should happen. Now, will it happen? You know, who knows? Uh, but we're, we're, we're getting into year two of it, and um, it will be. And, you know, I think Purdue athletes are taking advantage of it. I think, you know, locally at least, that you know, you've probably seen Aiden O'Connell and a Bob Roman uh, commercial. Uh, I know Aiden O'Connell and Payne Durham and Brock Thompson have an NIL event uh, on the 19th at Bruno's in West Lafayette where they're signing autographs and taking pictures. Um, so the, the, I think the athletes are being probably more active in it and engaged because a year ago at this time, NIL came in on July 1st. And that was a short runway for at least the fall sport athletes to try to get anything going because you only had July and people were still trying to figure out what's what. And then you're in the practices and, you know, by the time your season's over, you're, the spotlight on you is gone. So you have to, you have to wait till the next cycle comes around. But, you know, basketball, I think we'll, we'll be doing, we'll be doing more football. We'll be doing more. And I, you know, eventually, you know, it is it is a good thing for the athletes to put a little bit of money in their pocket, but they got to pay taxes, they got to do all those things that we do on a on a yearly on a yearly basis. All right, well, uh, appreciate you stopping by. Uh, we'll try to do these. Uh, you know, we'll go. football's you know obviously going to start ramping up here. Big Ten media days uh, in about two weeks in Indianapolis. Then after that, you know, Purdue is scheduled to begin practice on August fourth. Uh, I'm guessing, and this is a purely guess, that there'll be some open practices early on. How many? Uh, I don't know. It does shrink every year. So uh, just because there were three or four last year, and I can't remember how many there were, if there were three or four last year, doesn't mean there'll be three or four this year. Uh, but if they do happen, they'll be they'll be early in the process. So those are some key dates coming up, and of course Purdue host Penn State on September 1st, uh, and as as that date moves closer and as we get through camp, uh, obviously we'll be, uh, we'll be getting on the podcast horn and, and doing a lot more, and if, you know, and everything that we've, you know, written about Purdue and NIL and everything else that's going on is there, is there on jconline.com, uh, uh, I'm going to have a profile of David Jenkins coming up uh, over the weekend, um, and then this, there's there's a lot of other stories out there that uh, that maybe you've missed. You've been on vacation, but you know, feel free to go to jconline.com uh, to, to kind of get caught up on what's been going on in the summer. Uh, once again, thanks uh, for stopping by. Have a good day, and uh, uh, we'll we'll talk we'll talk another time.